Hey, it's Oliver. Thanks so much for listening. I hope you're all getting lots of value from my episodes. If you wish to interact with me and ask me questions, then follow me on my Instagram. Yes, King Oliver. The link is also in the podcast and episode description. I post mentorship and coaching videos on my stories every day, as well as daily wisdom quotes straight from my brain. I go live and interact with all my followers where you can DM me and ask me anything you want and I will respond to everyone. I cannot build a personal relationship with you on here, so follow me on Instagram so I know who my listeners are. I hope you all have a great day and enjoy the episode. So yeah, a lot of people will think that if you have hay fever, then you have a weak immune system. Actually, it's the complete opposite. If you have really bad hay fever, your immune is so strong and notices a bit of pollen, a bit of dust, something in the air that goes into your body that shouldn't be there. And it responds really quickly. So people with bad hay fever have like sneezing, like attacks one after the other. And that's because their body is continuously recognizing this bit of pollen dust is still there and it's trying to get it out. People who don't have hay fever, their immune systems are weak, so they're not really responding to stuff in the atmosphere as promptly as it would if you had hay fever. But it's like people think it's almost like if you're sneezing, your body's allergic to it. So it's like it's weak, like it can't cope, but actually it's a, it's a defense mechanism. So it actually means you've got a strong immune. But people people don't know that. Mm, that's interesting. Yeah, I didn't. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Just take it from there. Just what comes to your mind? Um, what comes to my mind is plants. You know, I, I think this is a really beautiful time of year. We get to see the cycle of life and it's like full flourishing and it's full beauty. And when I think of, when I think of allergies in hay season, I've been a little sneezy this, um, this season I'm not usually, so it just made me think of all the different plants that I've been encountering. I just moved to Colorado. So, um, last, it's been a year. And so, um, to be able to go into the mountains and explore the different wildflowers this time of year has been just such a treat. Mountains. So like open mountains that don't really have woods there just like open space mountains some of them so it's the rocky mountains so some of it is like pine tree tree filled mountains and some of it's like um more grass and then you you know you might like find a trail that goes to a river and then it's a little bit more open and it's more of that like foresty you know the wildflowers yeah i just planted wildflowers around the garden because of the lockdown you couldn't go garden centers and get plants so I just got seeds and I planted them like four months ago and I've watched them grow and I've nurtured and I've watered them like a child just being like every time I go out there make sure they're all pruned back and they're watered and they literally all starting to flower and blossom at the same time they've gone from green leaves to purple flowers orange flowers blue flowers and they're just incredible and I've got a fence around the garden that doesn't get as much sun and they haven't even come out yet and yet the opposite fence where the sun gets to every day before, you know, whatever, they've all come out. And so I'm thinking, oh, they're not going to blossom. And I put loads of seeds down and I've just looked today. There is lots of small shoots. So they're literally going to come out so quick. And before you know it, because it's wildflower, they just grow, they grow massive. It's just going to be all over the place. There's something amazing about wildflower as opposed to plants. You just go to the garden center and buy because it it's more natural, more nature. Like if you went to the mountains, you'd see just these massive, colourful, really colourful flowers. Um, and yet garden centre flowers are all small and tiny. And like the flowers are like the flowers are the same size as the stem. It's just not the same. <laughs> yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, I agree. And it's nice when you get the wildflowers because they're more native. You know, they typically when you get them, they're native to your area, um, which I think is really important for the for for you to be for the pollinators you know for you to have that outside in your yard you're you're just familiarizing the pollinators with the same with the same plants and kind of helping the the ecosystem and i think it's really interesting about what you said about your garden is you're noticing the like the micro ecosystems within your backyard of like oh this area blooms first this area blooms later and that's so so i used to do um horticultural therapy and i i you know had a garden back where i used to live and 
um, it's so that's one of like the funnest parts is when you really get familiar with an area, you get to identify and like be a part of like the micro um, ecosystems and like you can plant strawberries in one area and have them earlier in the year and then you know have them somewhere else and have them you know a few weeks later, uh, and that's like such an exciting thing. Really, you get to kind of play with the different um, ecosystems that you have in one space. It's crazy because a, a grow bag in the shop is three quid, right? And I went to my fridge and I got out specific vegetables, peppers, chilies, tomatoes, whatever. And I just took the seeds off them and I planted them. And they've all started to grow in the grow bag. And I'm going to be doing that every single year. But rather than just having two grow bags, I'm going to get like 10 grow bags. And I'm going to get every vegetable that I've ever had in the fridge. I'm going to get basil. I'm going to get mint. I'm going to get coriander. I'll have like a herb section. Then I'll have like a a vegetable section and then a fruit section. So you've got berries, strawberries, mm -hmm. raspberries. I put sunflower seeds down because I have a lot of sunflower seeds and four sunflowers grew. I mean, nice. I don't know what I was expecting, but that is obviously what was going to happen. So the aim is to take the sunflowers seeds off the big head when it grows. And these are massive heads, like fucking huge. But yeah, there's still, when you think about it, how everything grows from a seed, you can go to your fridge and get almost anything out. And grow it and you and like one seed off say 20 strawberries can grow about 40 50 strawberries how crazy is that so there's no need to really ever go shopping for for fruit and veg but it's not even about having the food it's about the excitement of watching it go from a little shoot to a little bigger and then it grows overnight and then you water it and then you see a flower and then you see a strawberry that's so exciting seeing that oh my god there's more strawberries and there's like fuck there's loads of them I had a cucumber plant. There was no joke. There's like 50 cucumbers. Just there's just too many, literally. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, that's so exciting. I haven't been able to garden in a while. I have been so transient. Um, but I yeah, it's like the most exciting thing is you get to really be a part of the cycle, you know, like and, and a part of the nurturing and, and in itself, it's a therapy. You know, when you are taking care of a plant like that, it's a really good reflection of like taking care and, and you know doing your own housekeeping with yourself when you're watering it it's like how are you nurturing you when you're pruning it it's like what are you letting go of or severing from you know when you're when you're taking care of it or putting um you know spikes in to like lift it up like how are you supporting yourself and in your growth and your evolution and being able to witness the fruit of the labor is like it's just so exciting you know it's so much more exciting than buying a pack of strawberries at the store it's like right. how it's, I was with this <laughs> yeah and, and it teaches you so much patience because I'm like wanting to see something and it's like no that's not the whole point it's about the process not the destination so I planted grass seed and it's still like you see it sprouting and I'm like I want it to grow but when it grows that feeling of oh my god it's growing isn't there anymore so it really is crucial for people to understand it's not the pre it's not the destination there is no destination it's just just being present in that moment and then watching the grass yeah you have a responsibility i always say before you have a kid before you even get a dog get a plant because if you can't even look after your plant you're not going to be able to look after a child right because it's just a more extreme version of a plant um but it teaches you patience like watching a flower grow from a seed just going to the garden center and queuing up and getting stressed because there's no one on the checkout system. That's just like man-made nonsense. Like just plant your seed and watch it grow. Like every <laughs> night you've got to water it because if you don't, it will die and you feel responsible. And then you're in bed watching Netflix and you hear that voice say, get the fuck out of the bed and water the plants because it will die otherwise. And you have this sense of responsibility, which people need, but don't often have because there's always somebody else doing it just to pick up the slack but yeah you have a lot of pride growing crops it's the new trend i think growing crops and flowers <laughs> because everything's just becoming just so robotic and no one's got any pleasure doing anything because it's just there like amazon you order and it's come now there's no yeah. waiting and it's exciting it's waiting the instant gratification yeah i think that each generation has gotten more and more used to the instantaneousness of the response of when we, you know, do something or, or order something or, um, yeah. And, and I think planting, you know, that time is, that's the cycle of nature. That's timing of nature. And it is teaching people about the journey. And I love that you said that it isn't about the destination. It's about the journey. And although you plant a strawberry plant to get the destination, to get the strawberry, the whole journey is what's sacred. Being a part of that process is so special. And it's true. I mean, it's a great reminder of our lives. There's so much in our life that isn't instant. And that we want, like, all right, well, I know what my problem is. I'm ready to just be fixed, 
right? This like instant, like, okay, well now that it's here, it can be done, right? And then we get frustrated, irritated when, when it's not gone, when it's not like healed or evolved and it's not the cycle of nature. And there's this important phase that I call the threshold. Well, it is just called threshold. I don't create that name. <laughs> that is in between the, when, when we discover what's going on, like when we plant a, it plants a seed and then um, the embodiment fusion, the, the incorporation, which is like the end result. There's something in between there, which is the threshold that people like to avoid and they just don't want it to exist. <laughs> it's the watching the plant grow and the leaves and the everything up to the fruit. And this part is so imperative because by the time we get to the incorporation, the embodied fusion, the end result, without this middle phase, we have so much less connection, understanding, and actual energetic support for what's to come on this other side. You know, we just had the seed and then the fruit. We're so much less connected. We're less embodied. We're less appreciative. And we're ready to just move on. But with that threshold phase, this uncomfortable phase, this gives us the opportunity to lift and arise the things that we don't really give a lot of attention to, but that need the attention, like watering the plant and pruning it and making sure there's no bugs, right? And with that, we create this really divine connection with what we are doing, which then leads us through that threshold. And it makes it in itself a little ceremony, a little rites of passage. Yeah, it's like, we're used to things just being there. Supermarkets is all there. We don't see the journey of the African man picking the cocoa beans fucking for days and days and days, getting shipped over on a plane. We just go to the supermarket and it's there, right? So we don't understand that all this took time. Somebody had to grow those crops and water them and, and then the journey. Like we don't see that. So when we like plant a seed, we want strawberries now and we and it four months later we get a strawberry. Well like fuck this, I'll go shop and get one. And it's just <laughs> that's not the point. Okay, because four months for a strawberry to grow and then they all grow and die within I don't know three weeks it's like the difference of the journey versus the destination it's it's like 10 times more so and that is life it is that that journey um it's like you know people have kids and then they say oh they've they've moved out now where did the time go like it's just the whole journey like from the moment of I want a child to you know doing the deeds and then bringing it up and then it's embracing that moment of that evolution. Um, and with anything, we try and restrict time. So rather than enjoying the process of having a child and then planting the seed, we just want the strawberries. We get the strawberries and then we just like bin it and move on to somebody else. It's almost like you'd have a, you'd want the kid. Now you've got a kid. Now I want someone else. I want a bigger house. I want a dog. I want to move to Spain. I want a new husband. And it's just like, no. You can't just grow the strawberries and then want peppers and chilies and then bin it because that is all you have. It's that journey that, yeah. You um, what do you specialize in? Because you explained that like it was like something you talk about every day. Oh um, yeah, I am a, I'm a master channeler and a life's purpose uh, mentor, and I, I infuse psychology and and ceremony and energetic um, alchemy to support people in uncovering what their purpose is and embodying it. I typically work with business owners that are going through evolutions within their work to embody the next, their next iteration of um, their purpose. Do you think that, you know, for example, like 50 Cent, he's got a 20 bedroom house and he even admits that he only, he hasn't been in like 18 of them. Right. And it's just so scary to go down that part that he never goes down there. I, I would love in a materialistic world, if I had a 20-bedroom 20, 20 mansion, I'd have a beach room, so there'd be sand on the floor. There would be, I don't know, waterfalls and streams coming off the wall. But another room, it would be a graffiti room, so I could just go and graffiti on the wall, designs, whatever. Then there'd be a, a woods room, so there'd be bark on the floor, lots of trees, maybe some just wild frogs just dancing around. Then I'd have a fish room, just fish tanks of fish everywhere. Then I'd have a plant room, maybe a crop room. I'd be so creative. I'd have a space room where you've got like telescopes looking up and just rocks everywhere. I'd have a different theme for each room. See my background? I'd have the mm -hmm. wallpaper as this on the back, but on the floor, there'd be actual sand. And the whole point is just why not? It's the process of thinking about, OK, I want to make this 
14th bedroom of each and you've got to go get sand and then you realize okay, I need more sand and then you get the wallpaper and then you put it up and then you get some ideas about putting glow in the dark stars on the ceiling and then obviously once you've made that you move on to the next room and you probably wouldn't ever need to go back there but it's like well what is there to do in life like well there's nothing else to do just like thinking and doing um but what people do is they think they have the same thoughts that they think of Netflix, Xbox, going down the pub, same pub, same drink, same talk, same football show every week. And people are just looking for more stimulation because it, nothing's supposed to be the same. You know, that plant is there and it dies and then it doesn't come back again. If it does, it comes back different. But, you know, everything's just the same and it's toxic for the mind. It's an illusion that everything's just there and it's always going to be there. But you don't realize all the work Amazon have to do to get that parcel within say two hours it's phenomenal it's an illusion yeah it's essentially humans are subsiding to the desires of the ego and that's just not enough you know the ego um you, as you, you probably know and i'll just describe it is the part of our brain it's the, the metaphysical part of our brain right it's not like an actual physical spot that is our like like keep us safe it's like our, our primal trying to keep a safe part of our brain. And it runs off of memories and experiences. And its whole goal is to keep us safe. And so when we aren't mindful and consciously working towards what you're saying, like really enjoying life and being creative and, and creating and thinking and doing all of these things, what we're going to do is we're going to negate to survival, which is driven by the ego. But that's just not enough. It's enough to keep us alive, but that's not enough to keep us living, right? And so when we, when we just kind of subside to the ego, what happens is we end up doing the same things, the box in which we know, like our life that we know, like who we see, what we do, what we talk about, things we engage with over time gets smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller. And you'll see that in, in elderly people. The conversations that they have tend to be the same thing. They see the one or two same people and they have the same ritual routine that they do every single day. And um, it's that what you said, like thinking out of the box, kind of pushing that being creative that keeps us from that, that collapsing of self, because that's not enough. We don't feel like we're enough when we're experiencing the world coming in on us. It feels depleting. It feels unfulfilling. It feels like, like, what's the point of life? Like, oh, it's just to survive. But it's scary to push that box. That box is your comfort zone, you know? And it's scary to push that. But we all want it. I mean, everything you're saying is like, oh, I would love to be creative and have all of these rooms and do all of these things. And people can imagine that and think of that. But when it comes to doing it, that's a whole other thing because all of their stories of why they're in that box come up. You know, like, well, we don't want to step out of that box because this or this or this will be dangerous or people will think this or this will happen. And then just keeps them tucked into their nice little comfort zone box when you're saying that i'm looking at your diamond at the back and i'm seeing that <clears throat> it's like that point of the top of the diamond or from the bottom it gets up like everything happens and then it becomes our norm like what we saw and may growing up say school friends whatever and then it starts to narrow down when they get a husband or a wife and they get a house and then the friendship group mm -hmm. disappears and then it goes up to yeah. the top of the pyramid like that as i can see and you're left with just like a point at the top with just like a little bit of of nothing so unless you create more and you you're going to be stuck with what's up there which is just you and your three i don't know your two friends your neighbor in the same position forever i'm a big believer in like we should our houses stay on the same place we've got a mortgage there got so much materialistic shit there that it's just an effort to move we've got our neighbors we have our barbecue every weekend people are supposed to keep growing right and if the neighbors are like they've just spiritually evolved at say 20 years old like most people and they don't change then essentially their spirit is dying and yet you're here around people's of energy spirit is dying they water the garden every year they plant the same flowers they get the same stones they jet wash the car and it's just like every year it's their routine of when it's summer and then it's just like what else is there to do and we're supposed to keep moving from towns to cities when the people around you have suited uh, when they've 
serve the purpose so you've learned knowledge from them you've raised your energy to their level and then if they stay the same you need to move to the next town but it's almost like we should be in a caravan where we could just take off and go to the next city because we're not supposed to stay the same each city ohio colorado whatever different energies different vibrations different cultures different school systems different fucking everything and it's like just to think if you stay in one place that's going to be your life that's crazy that's like a that's like animals just staying in the same place when it's sunny and then it's stormy and the crops die and then there's no fish around and everything's just dead like they wouldn't survive so we are here because everything comes to us but energy energetic wise we're supposed to keep moving and it's crazy when you see people just get their little house and their dog and their baby and then they're there for life i can't think of anything Mm -hmm. worse (laughs) yeah i know what you mean you know i used to think of this too and i i And I think it all comes down to values, you know, like what are your core values and are you living in alignment with them? You know, for you and me, it must be growing in adventure and in expansion and, you know, challenge like that. That is, is, that's a value of yours, right? Am I, when I say that, am I right? It's like, that's what really fuels you, lights you up. You're excited about growing. You're excited about learning. You're excited about, about new, right? You want to explore and connect and not everyone's values that. And as I've gotten older, as I'm like nearing 30 now, and I'm <laughs> starting to feel like my age is like, I'm starting to think a lot about, oh, wow, things have shifted quite a bit now that my prefrontal cortex has developed. And um, my values have gotten a little bit more narrowed in. And I see how, I feel like I'm in this in-between of like young and older <laughs> of like what I was like. I mean, I have for the last 10 years, I've just been traveling doing everything you're saying, you know, meeting new people, exploring, adventuring, living different places, not really having roots. And um, I'm in this like in between this threshold now of this older adulthood um, where I see that my siblings, you know, their values are family and their values are security and their fam- their values are, you know, these other things that I still don't entirely get, but it makes sense for them to have a home, a mortgage, a kid, you know, things that, I don't really relate to and I'm in I'm in your boat I'm like that doesn't make that doesn't light me up that seems like you're just there to die you know but to them it's like no I'm here to live because this is what I value I value tradition and family and routine and the holidays you know I don't know things that I don't I don't quite get still but I feel like I'm in this really interesting perspective being 28 that I get to see what was and then like the, you know I see my friends that are in their early 20s and then I see my friends that are in their, you know, 40s. And I just see the difference in the, the groundedness and experience and the development of the prefrontal cortex, which I'll go into with the pyramid. And, um, the, you know, really honing in on and honoring values. And I think that is the main thing that people don't really recognize when they go to, like, create their lives. They kind of just, like, go on autopilot. And that's where that thing kind of collapses in, right? But when we acknowledge what our values are and we intentionally create space and time to honor those values then we don't get that feeling like, man, I'm just here to die, right? We're like, oh, cool, I'm here to live. I'm here to honor these values and spend my time in the ways that I want to. So I love that you brought this up. That was such a creative idea. I love this because this is truly what it's like when we live with our, our prefrontal cortex. With the lack of the prefrontal cortex, if you don't know what it is, it's like the, the front part and the outermost part of our brain that develops later in life that is um, decision-making, but also like emotional response and kind of how we interact with the world around us and how we see ourselves a part of that. So when we're younger, we're more adventurous because we have less of that like fear to hold us back of like, oh, I'm going to go cross that river because it's really fun. But when we're older, we're like, hmm, how, is there an undercurrent in that? Are there leeches in that? Is there something that's going to like pull me under and kill me? You know what I mean? Like that thought isn't really a thing when we're younger. We're like, that looks cool. Let's go do it. And, um, that is a really great example of like when this right here, we're here and here's the bridge. And when we're young, we're going to cross it. But when we're here and we're older, we don't cross it. And that makes our space smaller. When we cross the river, we expand. When we don't cross the river, we stay. Right. And so I, I think there's probably maybe more to it. And there's a sense of adventure that we have when we're younger as a way of like exploring and growing and identifying who we are. But I think a big part of it is that prefrontal cortex that develops way later in life. And I think it's a little bit later for men. So they tend to explore an adventure a little bit longer than women. But um, yeah, I don't know. What do you think about that? Spot on. I think that there's nothing more exciting and freeing, right? When I compare 
having a house and a mortgage and a dog and say, I don't know, a family in one place forever versus let's just say you've got a, let's just say we're older. You've got your, so I'm seeing it from a young, when I'm a younger point of view, right? I'm 28, but I see it as like, basically imagine I came to Ohio and I visited you in a theory, in an example. And then I come, we'd go out for dinner. We would hang with the neighbors, go for a barbecue, go out into the town, do some mountains for like four days. Then I'd go home like in a holiday situation to know there's people all around the world and you go out there and they host and then you go see a basketball game and then you cook some amazing food and you experience a culture, different cities, different people environment. And then I go home and then I've got someone else over there in Canada or New Zealand, Singapore, whatever to think I'd have that freedom of a lifestyle to get on a plane, take photos. Oh my God, we did this. I met, met the uncle, met the grandma. What a great grandma she had, whatever met this dog. That is so freeing and exciting compared to just having a house and a mortgage and a fucking dog and a garden. Like, I don't need that one base because you'd be my family. That person over there would be a family because you host, you're serving. All a parent does is serve. When you have a kid, you serve. They don't have to be a kid or blood related. You're just another human being serving another human being for that period of time when you're there. Like when you go to Bali and you travel, you go to Australia. They're all welcoming. Because you're just part of the spiritual family. It's none of this, oh, you're English, you, you're not blood or whatever. That doesn't exist. To me, that is the most exciting, freeing thing, just to go over there for the period of time, enjoy that moment, and then know it's coming to an end, and then I go back home. And then there is no home. It's just on to the next bit. I don't need that foundation, because that foundation is everywhere, because I'm just a plant growing when there's sun and when there's water. And I don't need to be stuck in the ground, because... That's just not how it works. It's fake and it's man-made. Easier said than done, but um, you know what I mean by that? Yeah, you know, I do. And I, and I, and I, as a traveler for a long time and traveling all over, like I, when you're saying that, I'm like, I totally know what you mean. You know, going to New Zealand, I was brought in. Like everywhere's home. Care of me and exactly, I know what you mean. And there is a sense of um, a root chakra, you know, there's this sense of security that's necessary for our growth. And I kind of like that you brought up the roots, Um because, you know, you, I, I love that we're having this conversation right now because I am in this threshold of my life of, like, in between buying a house and being my adventurous self that's just traveling every other month and staying places for month on end. And, um, you know, there, there's something to be said there. And I, and I agree with you. I think that a lot of people are living a certain way because they're told to. I think it's, that's pretty big and, and um, pretty unfortunate that people just like live a certain way because they're told that way. That's how you live. So that's what you do. Right. And they just like, you know, are overburdened by a sense of unfulfillment and lack of living. But there is something to be said about grounding and rooting somewhere. And I didn't really understand this until um, someone explained this to me because I never got it. I was, I was honestly said the same thing as you. I'm like, that's an illusion. Why are people doing that? Why don't they explore and connect with people and do these things? And my friend that was an adventurer to travel all over the world with me and um, he started living in North Carolina and, and you know, I had a phone call and he's like, you know, there's something that you can't learn from traveling that you learn from being in one space. And that's super expansive to your soul. And I'm like, that sounds horrible. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. I don't want to do that. And when I listened to him, I, I kind of understood, you know, it's like when you're rooted in one spot, you get to know the environment around you, you get to know the plants, the, the ecosystems, like I talked about before, that the seasons, what grows, and you begin to build a sense of that, that root chakra, that security, that, um, that safety, that connection that allows us to grow those roots so we can expand more. And I'm still in this in between because I am with you on this. I find it way more exciting and way more valuable to be able to travel and connect with people and find my home and find my family everywhere. But there is something to be said about the growth in one spot. And um, I haven't been anywhere long enough to know that yet. The longest I've been anywhere is a year. <laughs> so I'm no expert on this. But, um, and, you know, I'm curious about that. Have you met anyone that you know, that's, that's spiritually advanced, that that's super into personal growth that has been in one spot for a while and really enjoys it. Hang on a sec, reword that question. Have you met anyone that is, you know, um, 
they, they value personal development and growth and they live in a, one single spot. They have like a home, like roots in the ground and they really enjoy it. And they've been there for a while. Like, do you know anyone like that? No. Wow. Okay. So I, so from the age of like, you know, 15, 16, I've always seen the future before it even happened. So I knew that when I was 15, we're all kids, but we're going to be our parents and their pattern. So I can know what's going to happen by looking at parents. And I mm -hmm. saw the divorces, the arguments, the happy families, but all the behind the scenes bullshit, the affairs, the struggling at work, the stress. The, I saw it all. So I, I never, I didn't want that. I've always wanted to be a millionaire, which is about me having control over my freedom. So I don't rely on anyone, not because I wanted to live a lavish lifestyle, even though that does seem great, whatever. Um, and then when I was at college, I just saw the pattern getting closer to what I always knew was going to happen, where everyone leaves school, they get a, they get a girlfriend or boyfriend, they can't afford to get a house, so they rent, they want more time from their parents, so they move out, and they think, well, am I renting? I'll get a mortgage, and then they get a mortgage, and they're going falling down the system. Mm -hmm. So I never wanted to be part of that system because I knew it was just a dead end, and I always knew that if I travelled, I'd never want to come home, so I'd only travel when I've made my millions. So I've not made my millions and I've not travelled because I know that if I start, I'll never want to stop and I need money to support. Otherwise, I've got to come back, work for fucking eight weeks and then go out. And it's just you never have that complete freedom. In terms of the grounding thing, I do believe that you need a place to call home. Like you need a place to go back to, even if you're not going to be there most of the time and the neighbors move and the plants die, you still need a place because the reality is that the Chinese takeaway is probably still going to be there. The restaurants are still going to be there. They're not family, but it's a familiar face. Mm -hmm. The tree's going to grow back. You'll see the same neighbors. So even though they're not going to grow with you, it's a familiar thing, like a, gr a gran, for example. She's the same gran, whether she's 90 or she's 60. She's just the grandma. That person's just the person... And you go on a walk with them. And if you speak just about football, then that's the familiarity. So even though it's not the same as us, where we are spiritually, God is a Jesus, whatever, aliens and planets. It's a familiarity. It's a home. It's almost like when you leave, when you go out, you come back to mom and dad's home. So it's all in the mindset, I think. It's just a place mm -hmm. where you feel comfortable. And even though nothing stays the same, even if it's man-made from being with a family home, even if it's man-made from what we've seen and grown up and we look at our cousins and our family and our grandparents and our neighbours and our friends and we see this home, even though we only see the things we want to see, we don't see the arguments, we see them mm -hmm. having sex, holding hands and everyone's happy, we don't see the arguments and how often they don't have sex. So it's an illusion. Even though it is an illusion, we see that and we think it's real and we want what others have, even though it is an illusion, right? Mm -hmm. So because of that... I have I came to the conclusion that I do want a foundation, even if it is a caravan on land, mm -hmm. just as a place to come back to. Otherwise, you're Lady Gaga traveling around hotels all the time. And she actually said it on a talk show. She was big Lady Gaga traveling around the world. She never had a place to stop. And so she bought a house. So now mm -hmm. she's not traveling in hotels anymore. She can still do that. But she's got a base. And as I said, it become familiar with the shop staff, the the neighbors, the furniture shop. And that becomes like a um, a family um, that's always going to be there. So, yes, to your answer, you need a place to call home, but you don't have to be home all the time. <laughs> yes, I agree. I think I mean, I, that's my about my value. My traveling and growth is, are my values. And so, yeah, I agree with you there. I um, I wouldn't want to just be in one spot. And if I do have a child, I that child's going to be traveling with me. You know, it's not going to be the reason why I'm in one spot for many years. Like I can't, I don't, <laughs> I, I just don't think I can, you know, I, I still, even when I say I don't travel a lot, I still travel for three months. Um, I don't really know what it's like to not be exploring. Uh, it's just like in my nature. Um, but yeah, I agree. You know, now that I'm in Colorado, I'm in golden. I, I have this new sense of like, I finally know what it feels like to stay home. You know, I've lived a lot of places and you know, I've lived in Hawaii for three years and I lived in Michigan for, you know, the better part of my life and, you know, different parts. And, you know, I've been all over and I, I'm in Colorado and I'm like, wow, I, I finally found home. I know what it feels like to feel connected to the land and to, you know, what you're talking about, the familiarity of like the shops and stuff. I'm not, I don't really shop much. So I, um, 
you know, so that I get what you're saying though. Like I feel the same way about like looking at that mountain. I'm like, that's, that's familiar. That's my home. Or looking at, you know, the ash trees or the cottonwoods and, you know, making that connection and knowing when they're going to bloom, you know, and like that to me is like, that's home, that's security. That's like that comfort that, that you're talking about of like the familiar, like, you know, takeouts and, and, and shops. Like I, yeah, that's, that, that creates this like, you know, where you don't have to be on guard anymore on fight or flight or freeze. You're just like, oh, I can relax. I'm safe. I know all this environment. This is, this is what I know. And this is where I'm, you know, good to be safe. And I, and that, and that brings up this whole topic around the comfort zone that, you know, people say the comfort zone's like going to kill you. And like in extreme cases, if you're in the comfort zone all the time, yeah, sure. Your life's just going to get like, we talked about smaller and smaller and smaller, but there is something to be said about the comfort zone as a place of rejuvenation. You know, we can't really like fully ground and open up and relax and rejuvenate without that comfort zone. So it's a dance between adventure, exploration, pushing those boundaries and giving ourselves that time to rest. So it's, it's moving through it, you know, not just staying stuck in it and not staying stuck outside of it because then we're constantly, if we stay outside of it, we're going to be in this trauma response. We're going to constantly be in like, you know, like constantly moving and doing and no time for rest because we're pushing, we're outside of that comfort. So it's like, we're in heightened state. So it's moving in between. And I think that's kind of what you're talking about. Like, it's good to have that home base. That's that little bit of comfort zone. And then move from there, you know, and travel and explore and, and get out of that box from there. So if you look at animals, right, pack animals, individual animals, they always migrate. And you could say the only ones that don't are, say, apes in the jungle because they've mm-hmm. got what they need. Temperature stays the same. They've got bananas. And so they have this comfort zone. And so they're there. They're not migrating all the time. So you could say we've come from apes. But then you could say that we have come from caveman, which is moving out the jungle and hunting. So we're used to sitting in a comfort zone. We've gone from comfort zone to always on the move, not knowing when we're settling because it could be a storm. The fish could run mm-hmm. out. And yet we're in a place where we've had both. Majority of people stay in the same place. But the comfort zone we know is a killer because you don't evolve energetically, spiritually, because everything does stay the same and dies. And then you start to die with it. You look at energy terms on planets, they always get bigger and they grow in mass and they keep getting bigger. So it's like energy to keeps getting bigger. We should never settle. If you look at apes, they stayed in the same. So that's what our home is. But yet you look at how we came from the jungle. We just ventured out. So we're supposed to be traveling. So it's like, is it that, that, or is it both? Like quantum physics says it's that, that, and that. So technically the answer is have a foundation even if it's a, a place near our parents' house, because if you're going to have a home, you want a, something that feels homely. So a parents and uh, it's a home thing, right? Um, you could say that's like a place to call home. So you could have a place near them, which is what you would call home and then travel out. Maybe the answer is you need a, a place to call home and you can travel out. Even if you don't ever go home, the fact you have a home is that fe- is that feeling that you're looking for? So we're looking for freedom mm-hmm. as well as a place to call home. Even if you don't go home, you still have that place. Maybe that's the answer because that's the apes and then the caveman, and then you take it with energy. It's a mixture of everything. Like we've come from all of it, so we need all of it. <clears throat> is that do you reckon? <clears throat> yeah, you know, and, and I think what's interesting is. When you talk about it brings up something different for me is when you talk about the apes and the, you know, the cavemen, their sense of security isn't actually in a space. It's contingent on a moment. You know, it's that moment with their community, with their, you know, their family that they are making food or, you know, sleeping or in like together. And so that I feel like it's less about the location. As you talk about it that way, it's, it's more about this, like they have their, their, their community, they have their their apes or their other people that they go in, like maybe they're not adventuring out, like exploring, but when they find that spot, it's a ritual, you know, the way they might nest in it, they might, you know, cook in it, they might do whatever or talk. And that is the comfort zone. It's in that moment that they're together, that they're creating these ritualistic acts that create the sense of home insecurity, right? So it's like, we wouldn't maybe have to travel at all or sorry, we wouldn't maybe have to say, say put at all or have home anywhere if we had our community that came with us and that we, we were able to have this ritual that we made home anywhere, you know? 
Okay, I totally get what you mean. So I had no friends growing up at school because I was never part of groups. I never got invited to parties because I never fitted anywhere. And what you're saying is so true. It's not the place. It's that that community. So whether elephants are migrating, they go as a herd, like fucking 20 of them. Apes mm-hmm. in the jungle, same place, but it's a herd. Family, village, herd. Friends at school, herd. I never had that group. So maybe I am unable to understand that because I've never been part of a group. I just always went off and did what I wanted to do because no one invited me anywhere. I got used to just going on a walk, ordering food when I want, go to the casino when I want, go clubbing when I want, go on holiday when I want, play tennis when I want. I just got used to just doing what I want when I want, almost like a lion. Just if I want sex, go and find sex, like go and find food. I've never been part of that community um so that's what i've only been able to do is study from other people's relationships and circumstances Mm -hmm. rather than my own but what you said is um it's actually very true it's um yeah that just counteracts everything that i've thought until now because it's like you travel to find that connection whereas if you had that connection you wouldn't travel so maybe it's simply just a connection of familiarities and not the traveling, like if you put everyone in Bali, everyone in India, everyone in Hawaii, all of your soul tribe, spiritual people, put them in a village, you wouldn't need to travel because you're only sent to traveling to find them. As long as you've got the, the mm. mountains and the woods and the stream in that village, you wouldn't have to go to see mountains in India, streams in Bali and rocks in Thailand. So if you put them all in that village and you had those natural things around you, then you certainly wouldn't ever need to travel because you'd have everything there. You go to find mm-hmm. the nature, you go to find the people. And travellers, I find, they're lost. They're looking for more because they were never mm-hmm. really part of the same bullshit system. They knew there was more. So you travel and then everyone else is there. And because they all live around the world, you can't really just everyone just move into one place you go back home and then it's like i don't connect with you because you're just a twat from school and then you go out again and then as you get older everyone has families and mortgages and houses and and then uh, you grieve that i deep down would love that even though i can never have that so then you go traveling again and everyone's getting older and it's like well this i've got to settle otherwise i'm going to be 50 traveling Mm -hmm. um And really, it all comes down to do you have a reason why you're doing it versus a reason why you're not? Do you feel guilty about I should be doing something else? As It's about harmonious thoughts. If you really understand that I've got this base and yet I'd rather choose to travel because in my life, all we have is feeling. How do I feel when when I'm at home ordering a Chinese, seeing the neighbours? How do I feel when I'm travelling? If that feeling of travelling, despite your knowledge about trying to find this family thing, yet it still feels better traveling travel if you're traveling and deep down yearning this little village go and get the village it all comes Mm -hmm. down to feeling so i don't think you should settle for just having this base and never traveling or simply traveling all the time and never having a base it all comes down to what makes me feel complete having a base traveling not having a base and traveling or not traveling and having a base and you just pick Mm -hmm. and choose the one that gives you the the best feeling and for me um i've had neither I haven't been traveling. I've never had that base. All I know is instinctively going with a thought, learning, was that the thing I wanted? Would I do it again? If yes, do it again. If not, what's the what's the um, the difference? Um, mm-hmm. It's like feeling of growing a plant, feeling of buying a plant. And I choose the one with the best feeling, but I only know when I've done it, when I've had both. And I haven't really had both yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, in, in, I think it really, what you're talking about is coming down to values. You know, it's like, are you honoring your value of, let's say somebody's value is home, tradition, um, let's just say that, home and tradition. For them to be traveling, they would probably be traveling to find home and, tra- and tradition, right? Which can only really be cultivated in a single place, in like a, you know, um, or even community. You can add a community in there too, where somebody, somebody's values is adventure, exploration, growth, um, travel, travels a value then it would make sense that they're traveling and not in one spot you know i think it's really this honoring what our true what our core values are because those are what ignite the emotions you're talking about like what feels right right what we're really seeking and you know that reminds me what you said earlier about um if we just had all the people that we meet your whole soul family all in one spot then that would be enough okay so that's, that's what my friend was saying. He's like, I found a community here that is, this is, this is my family. This feels so good. I don't feel the need to leave. 
And so I, I'm curious as you're speaking, maybe his value was family and community and, and home. And he was just searching for that. And he had finally found it, you know? Yeah, that's the thing. People only travel because they're trying to find something that they don't know what they're looking for. Like when they, when you're lost, you go traveling. When you're lost, you find yourself in your bedroom. You don't need to go to Thailand to find yourself because you're in your head, you're in your bedroom. So you go there to find your true you, which is this spiritual awareness, whatever, and everyone else is there. Um, what was I going to say? Um, for me, my family has been able to go for a walk and connect with the animals. When I see a squirrel running up a tree, when I see a little mushroom growing, I get on the floor and I look at it. I see it as like a child. So for me, again, it all comes down to feeling. If you are traveling, you're yearning a foundation, then you've got to go with that feeling. If I am feeling that connection that one gets with the same pack of animals in the same place. The same as I get that going for a walk by a stream and looking at the bears hunting a fish. If that feeling is equal to or more, I would choose to just go and wander by a stream and, and watch the bear eat a fish. But mm -hmm. if my feeling is I want this little foundation where I'm familiar with the Chinese man in the Chinese takeaway, I will go for that. So this feeling about similarity, connection, family, foundation, whatever you want to call it, it is a feeling. It's a feeling of, do I connect with my environment? Environment meaning people or nature, mm -hmm. or as you said, the mountain could be just seeing in Nan every time she walks out the door across the road or your neighbor or the Chinese takeaway man setting up and you think, oh, I can't wait to get some noodle. It's that familiarity, but it doesn't have to be mm -hmm. a person. It could be a mountain. It could be the same tree on the same walk. It could be a fish jumping out like a tuna fish. Looks like a tuna fish, whether it's in a specific ocean or the Pakistan River, it's the same thing. If I think that that fish is the same, or I think that Chinese man in the restaurant is the same man, whatever, in China as it is in England, I have that same difference. It's the same. It's not, oh, you're a different Chinese man to the one in England. It's the same. So that says it's in the mind, which you, it, it says it's in the mind. Like you can choose to, it's almost like I know that I believe my grandma came for me as a spirit and then I realized it wasn't her. So now I have a choice. Was she there? Was she not? It comes down to, do I really have the proof to really believe or make myself believe she was there? And if I don't have that belief, if I don't, if I can't counteract the fact that she might have been there, I just have to surrender that she wasn't. But if I come across new information that she could have been, then that now becomes my new belief system. So really, it's just neurons firing up in our head based on the last fired up neuron. And if you have a new one ahead of that firing up, you know what I mean? Because it is all in our head. A plant, a mountain, same plant, mm -hmm. same mountain, barley. If we feel that feeling that we're looking for, then we surrender. Like, I'm just going to surrender to a mortgage in a house. But that's because we chose to surrender based on I'm thinking that this is what I wanted. And then I get it. It's like a movement, Black Lives Matter. You, you keep going out until there's change. If you feel there's change, you stop. If there's no change in the way you wanted it, you won't stop. But who says that change was change anyway? It's just something that you surrender to when you feel like you've got what you're searching for. And it always comes down to a feeling. Right. It's honoring the value. I mean, that's what it that's, you know, it's when we are not living in alignment with our values, we feel it. And we, when we are living in alignment with our values, we feel it. And that's that's the igniter. Our emotions are the three dimensional expression of energy. You know, it's how we experience what is aligned and what's not and, and what kind of and how we interact with the world around us and within us. And um, yeah, you know, and, and you said something about traveling. Um, you said the only reason people travel is to find things. And I and I think there's there's not, not I wouldn't say everyone, but there is a rites of passion. I mean, people go out to find themselves because you can't really find yourself in the same old familiar it's, it's almost impossible. You need the novel stimuli. You need to take yourself out of the environment and, and put yourself in a new one to really fully get to know who you are and, and the depths of you. But I'd say like, when I, when I think about it now, as you said that, I'm like, is that my truth? Do I travel to, to, to get to, cause I'm missing something. And I'd say, no, I travel because I, it excites me. I love to see new things and I love to explore. I love adventure. That is a core value of mine is adventure and exploration. And so, you know, and then I think that you get to a space that that becomes that, you know, and I think that when I first started traveling, I was definitely looking for myself. 
but I also liked adventure. So I think there's a, a little bit of both, you know, and I think that, um, I think that kind of is like the people that travel in their late teens, you know, like 18, 19 or 20 versus people who are traveling later in life. It's kind of based on, um, I, I'd say maybe not everyone, this could be a generalization, is based on if they found themselves or if they're really, if they're really doing it because it's, it lights them up, you know, it's exciting. It's almost like <clears throat> it all comes down to awareness. It's almost like, are you lying to yourself? So it's, if I, it's almost like I can go home and go home for 10 years and I can choose to travel. Like I can choose to have a massage, choose to, I don't know, I could choose to have a Chinese, I can choose to have a KFC, I can choose to get a new furniture, but I've got furniture, I've got food in the fridge and I don't need to, right? But it's a choice, it's a feeling that feels good. So you can either save up and buy a new rug or a new sofa, you can save up and go traveling. It's simply a choice of what gives you the better feeling. Mm -hmm. It comes down to when push comes to shove and you don't have that sofa, that new wallpaper, that Chinese, that traveling, are you happy? If the answer is yes, then you are in control of your choices. If the answer is no, then you have to go deeper within. And I'm guilty of that by convincing myself that you're choosing to have something because it makes you feel good. And then when you don't have it, you're like depressed. And so that's mm -hmm. when you have to do deeper work. Um, but what I will say is that what we have, we want more. And what we don't have, we what we have, we don't. We don't appreciate what we have and then what we have we want more and then when we get it we want something else so it's mm -hmm. this consistent this continuous cycle of as i said it's like growing the strawberries but they never actually grow it's this cycle of progression i think it's man-made if i'm honest because if you think about the man-made structure we want a new house a new mortgage we have a husband we want another husband better looking one better sex whatever more money it's always something else so it says mm -hmm. it's not getting the husband, getting the house, getting the plant, getting the dog, traveling, barley. It's that continuously wanting something new. So having the familiar surroundings, it kind of count contradicts that having the same place, same building, same mm -hmm. river, same mountain. Because in the reality is, if you look at people now, they always want more. So if you have the mountain, you have that house, you've got this Chinese takeaway the same. You're going to want more. But because you haven't got that yet, you're yearning that foundation of same so as a traveler you've never had foundation so you yearn foundation then you get foundation you realize fuck this i prefer to travel <laughs> so it's this continuous cycle of if i have it i know what it feels like i want more if i haven't had it yet i don't know what it feels like so i need to have it to know right. what it's like to compare so it's not the foundation it's not traveling it's not mortgages and happy family lifestyles it's just constantly moving and then when you yearn something you have to get it because it will stay in your system until you get it knowing that mm -hmm. it's never going to be enough but you need to have it to realize that I've got that fulfillment in that moment it's almost like craving a bag of Doritos you have to have <laughs> that bag of Doritos you can't be like oh it's too fattening I can't have that you've got to eat it and then learn I feel shit afterwards and then because you feel <laughs> shit is the reason why you won't have the Doritos rather than Somebody's saying, well, you shouldn't have that because it's really bad for you. Don't tell me what to do. And then you want it more. Your ego kicks in and then you you sneak out and get a bag. <laughs> so you have to, like, essentially itch every scratch, even if it bleeds, because then you realize when I scratch an itch, it bleeds. Don't scratch it. You can't prolong that scratch. Um, yeah. that's, that's all. Like, that's just what came to my mind when you said that, because. I know this, that if I went traveling, I'd want a foundation and I have a foundation. I don't want mm -hmm. it. So it's this continuously, it's the, it's evolution. It doesn't end. That's all. Yeah. Point. Yeah. And, and, I, and I think that's just like with mindfulness and like deeper self-awareness, we can kind of recognize these patterns and, you know, we can learn maybe through witnessing and not through experience. And I think a lot of people are through experience kind of learners, like you said, of like people say, don't do that. Well, fuck you. I'm going to go do it, you know? <laughs> and, and I think it's because humans like it is core that we learn from experience, not through someone telling us something. And I think a lot of what you're talking about is this projection of this own inner wound of not being enough. And I think that when we have this, this core wound of not being enough, not feeling enough, we project that onto our environment and onto our wants and needs. 
where we say, and that's where this, this perpetual wanting more thing comes from, because we're never enough because it's a projection of our own wounds, of our own thing, you know, not feeling enough. So if it projects out and we go, okay, well, I don't feel enough. Well, it's just because I don't have that car or I'm not traveling. So then you get that car and you're still not feeling enough. Well, it's because I don't have that kind of car actually or you know okay I traveled to that place but I haven't been over there I haven't been to Bali yet I haven't been to Peru okay well then that's probably it I need to go there to feel like it's enough and it's really this this projection of this inner wound around not feeling enough and it's sense of inadequacy that when we do our own healing work we actually find that our our projections and what we desire outside of ourselves start to change you know yeah, so I've gone from wanting everything materialistic to not wanting anything at all but from peace, harmony, nature, and people, right? So I've mm-hmm. I've gone from both. So now it's, okay, I know what it's like to want and then know it's not enough, okay? And I can choose to do it knowing it wasn't enough, but it was just that feeling of itching a scratch. Mm-hmm. I also know I could just be a monk living in a cabin by the mountains and I'd want someone else. It could be... It, I brought someone else. So, and what is something else? It's a thought. Where's that thought come from? Something that you've seen from your five senses or from somebody else's energy connected to you. So if there wasn't any of their energy connected to you and you weren't picking up their thoughts and all you see is mountains and fish and you don't know planes exist and traveling, whatever, would one be content just doing the same or would one still have the urge for something new? Because mm-hmm. if I know that getting a car is not going to do anything, I can still choose to p- save up to get a car because that's that motion of going on holiday, getting on that plane. It's that journey, that movement. Even though I know it's not going to be enough, can I still get the car? Even though, you know, say traveling is never going to be the same Bali. Maybe it's Australia, maybe it's Thailand. It's like the awareness of it's not going to be enough, but it's that journey that is enough. Mm-hmm. And it comes down to self-realization because what do we do in life if there's no thoughts? Like we're just a monk or a chimp just eating the same banana, to caveman, tools, making this, making fire, how do I do this? And it just keeps going. Um, so if you don't have thoughts, do you still think? And then if you do think, then it's man-made, and then it's the knowledge of man's thoughts to satisfy, meaning I can choose mm-hmm. to do this or that, but it's not going to be enough, but I can still choose to do it because it gives me a better feeling in motion towards that, or the feeling of, man, this chow mein's amazing, compared to just sitting there not needing anything and it comes down to like raising that vibration for that time knowing that that's not the default high all the time people go cocaine all the time they get used to that high that's not the norm the norm is without the coke the coke is the chinese takeaway or the traveling to (laughs) bali um and it's that motion of belief in your mindset of how it feels when you're there that gives you that same feeling when you're just in your house Mm-hmm. so it's like well, why do I need to travel when I can just vision in my mind that I'm in Bali and then that just goes back to well we're physical beings on a spiritual plane whatever why do anything and that's that's mm-hmm. the bottom line why do anything when it's all in your head anyway and the answer is well we like what's the fucking point in anything so you might as well do it <laughs> yeah right yeah right and I love that you brought up essentially what it is is just like mindfulness so without mindfulness we just like go on autopilot through the experiences that we long for and then we don't actually experience them and it's just not enough and when we're mindful and we allow ourselves to really appreciate you know like you said the chow mein wow this is really good or going and traveling and witnessing and being fully present and being fully immersed and allowing ourselves to be mindfully presently there we allow ourselves to really experience it all and appreciate the moment of what we have but when we don't do that I think that's what perpetuates what you're talking about all that like that like forever traveler it's like they're never actually getting that that satiation of that travel because they're never fully present in that moment absorbing all of the goodness that they're experiencing you know destination is that awareness of being present that this is the destination like it's people are continuously traveling waiting for a destination that never comes and that destination is now it's just being present and then you die eight years later yeah you got it that's it figured it out that that is it it's like what am i searching for i'm searching for the knowledge that what i am searching for isn't out there it's just being present like a plant you look at a plant you look at a bird it's just being it's just like burying a nut a squirrel's burying a nut and it's climbing a tree it's just being that's what we're searching for that knowledge that we're not searching for anything 
It's just mm-hmm. being. That is enough. So what we're searching for is the knowledge that what we have. No, what we're searching for is the knowledge that we just have to be. Essentially, yeah. something to do with Things that. Things are enough. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's that getting on the plane that's just as exciting as getting to Bali. It's that traveling, packing a suitcase, it's going shopping, it's writing your checklist. That's the whole journey. That high is the same high as opposed to, oh, I've got to pack my shit. Oh, plane plane journeys, 20 hours. No, look at the damn window. Look at the Himalayas. Look at the whales fucking jumping out the ocean. And then, and then it's like when you leave, it's I can't wait to go back. And then you're planning again. It's that constant high that never ends. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah. I, I love that you said that. That is like, that is such a good reminder. You know, people think it's just the destination. That's the journey, but it's the entire process and every bit of it is part of that journey and should be cherished and, and, and seen and held as sacred because it is, you know, even the checklist and the packing. I, I, I love that. That is such a great reminder. Yeah. Um, right. Um, plug anything you want to plug website, social medias, whatever. Oh, um, like say it. Yeah, say it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, my my social media. I'm mostly on Instagram. My Instagram is Ashley It looks like Dufresne, but it's French. That's <laughs> Dufresne. Um, and my website's the same. It's Ashley Dufresne. Um, and yeah, I what I I have a Facebook group that I do that I help uh, highly sensitive and empathic people just really align with and embody their purpose. And I do weekly tra- uh, trainings there, the channel trainings inside of there. And that's the authentic embodiment. And that's, that's all of it. That's everything. Okay. I'm going to press stop right there. And okay. we'll talk afterwards. <laughs>